Buenos días. Buenos días and good morning. I'm the Reverend Maria McCabe. My preferred pronouns are she and her. And it is, as always, such a pleasure to welcome all of you this morning to our time of worship together. Our spiritual theme for the month of March has been journey. We've explored together the ways in which we journey together in religious community. Today, today's service is going to be about a journey that is both deeply individual, but also a journey in community. It's about the journey from the illness of addiction into the light of recovery. This is a space that I know touches many of our lives, and in many ways it touches more lives than most of us realize. What I hope to share with you this morning is that this is a space that, yes, carries a great deal of pain, but also is an opening for an enormous amount of hope. I built my house by the sea. Not on the sands, mind you, but not on the shifting sand. I built it of rock. Oh, I know, we should have sung, but I want to go here. Thank you, Laura. I built it of rock, a strong house by a strong sea. And we got well acquainted, the sea and I. Good neighbors, not that we spoke much. We met in silences, respectful, keeping our distance, but looking our thoughts across the fence of sand. Always the fence of sand, our barrier, always the sand between. And then one day, and I still don't know how it happened, the sea came without warning without welcome even, not sudden and swift, but a shifting across the sand like wine, less like the flow of water than the flow of blood, slow but coming, slow but flowing like an open wound. And I, I thought of flight, and I thought of drowning, and I thought of death, and while I thought the sea crept higher till it reached my door, and I knew then there was neither flight nor death nor drowning. That when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors. Well acquainted, friendly, at a distance neighbors. And you give your house for a coral castle and you learn to breathe underwater. That poem was written by a sister of the Sacred Heart, Carol Bielek. Never, never, she never published this on her own. But it was published in a, in a book called Breathing Underwater by Father Richard Rohr. I want to share a couple of lines over again. 
And I knew then there was neither flight nor death nor drowning. That when the sea comes calling, you stop being neighbors, well acquainted, friendly at a distance neighbors, and you give your house for a coral castle. And you learn to breathe underwater. Dear ones, if any of you have ever struggled with addiction, you understand that, don't you? If any of you have ever loved someone who struggles with or has struggled with addiction, you understand that image of the rising water. That force, the force of the sea that keeps rising and you can't stop it and you can't fix it and you can't make it go away. And you can't keep it at a distance like that friendly neighbor. And as the sea is rising, if, if we're one of the lucky ones, if the addiction hasn't taken everything from us, or perhaps maybe if the voice of God can still be heard inside our hearts, Maybe we hear that tiny voice in the deep part of ourselves and that tiny voice says, you can't stop. You can't stop, as Sarah said, you can't stop the smoking or the drinking or the overworking or the gambling or the raging or the need to control other people or the need to make that addict stop who's in your life and who's hurting you and hurting themselves. And all that wave brings all those feelings of craving and those feelings of shame and the need to hide and the promises, right? The promises that they keep making to themselves or we keep making to ourselves today will be different. That spiral is destructive. You don't need me to tell you that. But if you are one of the lucky ones, and there, there are many among us who've had that moment of clarity, that moment when our intuition breaks through all the noise, that intuition breaks through and says, something's got to change. I need help. I need help. If you hear nothing else from me this morning, just hear this. We can be free. You can be free. Keep saying that to yourself. Sometimes it can take years, and sometimes those years are worth it. There's a beautiful book of essays about recovery by Unitarian Universalists, and it's called Restored to Sanity, Essays on the 12 Steps. And I do recognize that 12-step recovery doesn't 
necessarily work for everybody, but it works for a lot of people. So listen to this prayer from a Unitarian Universalist youth group advisor. Oh, great love, this person prays, for defeat, for being licked, for being sick and tired of being sick and tired, for giving up, for enough finally being enough, for the path of descent that finally reaches the place known as the unknown bottom. I am profoundly grateful. Can you imagine being grateful for this disease that takes so many lives? Certainly, if you are one of the many among us who's on the other side of having given up, it's hard to imagine that one day you might be grateful for that spark of light that brought you into the sunshine of the spirit. We can be free. I remember a few weeks after I came, first came here to Hartford County to be with, with all of you, there was an event at a high school in Bel Air. Is there more than one high school in Bel Air? There probably, okay, so it was a big one. <laughs> Sorry, I don't remember the name. But there was an event, and it was about the opioid addiction in particular, but also about addiction in general in our county. And if you are from around here, you know better than I do that this is a scourge in our communities. This is a scourge that claims many, many lives. And I remember walking into that auditorium and being so happy that this huge place was packed with people. And there were parents, obviously parents who had lost, tragically, who had lost young people to, to this disease of addiction. And they were wearing their bright t-shirts because they were there ready to help others so that no one else would go through what they'd had to go through. And there were lots of politicians. I don't remember their names either, but you probably know who, who, who they are. And it was a powerful evening. And it, there were tons of, of, of young people, too. And that gave me hope. Everybody was gathered together to, to deal with this. And I remember the sheriff of Harford County, the sheriff stood up and spoke. And I could hear the pain and anger in his voice. And he spoke about these overdoses, these horrific situations where, where, where people take too much of these drugs. Oh, wow. Sandy to the rescue, thank you. That poor candle looks tormented, doesn't it? It overdosed. And he talked about what it's like for his sheriff's deputies and for the EMTs and for the ambulance drivers to come in response to an overdose and maybe that person, maybe that's the third or the fourth or the fifth time that that person has been an overdose. And I could hear the anger in his voice and even though that made me react because I wanted him to be compassionate, I could still understand. 
to save someone's life over and over again, and, and that person still doesn't, in your own mind, still doesn't value their life enough to do, do something different, to find that different walkway. And those of us who know, know that that point comes when the sea has risen so high and we don't know how to breathe underwater that nothing matters more. And in our world, you know this, we judge one another for this, don't we? We heap shame on people who suffer from addiction. And we don't realize that everyone, one of you said it better than I can this morning, one of you said it, that everyone around the addict is sick as much as the addict is. That it sickens individuals, it sickens families, it sickens entire communities. And that everyone needs help. That the EMT who goes night after night to the scenes of overdoses or other incidents that are caused by alcohol abuse or any other kind of abuse, that that EMT needs help. I remember at, as a chaplain in a very, very busy uh, inner city hospital, emergency room, I remember seeing folks in tears ambulance drivers in tears who just couldn't, they couldn't cope anymore with what they had to deal with. I imagine some of you know this better even than I do. The sheriff finished his speech and then there were a few politicians. And then Dr. Vivek Murphy, who was the uh, uh, Surgeon General in the administration of President Barack Obama stood up to speak. And maybe some of you have heard him. I had never heard him. But he had, I see, I see at least one, one nodding head. He had, uh, he had done a, an amazing report on addiction. And he stood up to speak. And his was a message of hope. His was a message of all the, the new research that is continually being done. And his was a message that said, especially if there's early inter intervention, that we can get free. And that intervention and recovery may look different for you than it does for me, but still the right combination of social supports, perhaps medication, perhaps 12-step uh, programs, perhaps treatment programs, a combination of all these things that, that are available can help. And he shared the statistics. At the time, and this may be outdated, but at the time, only one in five people afflicted by addiction received treatment. That's pretty, that's pretty terrible. That's pretty terrible. <coughs> He talked about the fact that it, depending on your cultural history, on your family's history, that your recovery might look different. He talked about certain American Indian communities where it has long been recognized that addiction recovery has to be 
a process for the entire community, not just for the individual who's afflicted. Again, at the time, he said 78 people die every day from opioid overdose, a number that has quadrupled since the year 1999. And then he talked about how recovery, recovery isn't just putting down the behavior or the substance. All of that helps. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Recovery is actually, and he used this very word in his report, recovery is a transformation of the person. There's a, a, a podcast that I listen to by a therapist who's steeped in, in, in recovery, and she says, she talks about how these interventions help us create a life that we don't need to escape from. We don't, we help recreate ourselves into people who are able, quite literally, to rewire our brain. Because the addiction takes away our ability, our ability to cope, our ability to be with one another, our ability to be in relationship with ourselves and with the people around us. Some of you have heard this phrase, we're not bad people trying to get good, we're sick people trying to get well. And when, when we get well, when we change from the inside out, what I'm about to tell you are, are scientific survey results, not my observation, although they are my observation too, of my experience. When we get well, we live into the fullness of who we were meant to be. We become like those parents in that auditorium who wanted to use their horrific, painful experience to do good for others and make the lives of others better. That's what happens when we come into recovery, when we come into healing from this killer disease. Helping others, becoming effective, productive citizens, for lack of a better word, some of us undocumented, right? Is part of what that transformation brings. And we can't do that by ourselves. We have to do it in loving community. So as he was speaking, and I've read the report, and I, I've read it several times, and I have a copy if any of you would like to look at it. But I wondered for a moment if, if Dr. Murthy might be a Unitarian Universalist. <coughs> no, let me. I'm looking for because I, I don't usually use all these quotes. But he says. He talks about in this report how the first thing to do with addicts is to affirm their inherent worth and dignity. What do you think? <laughs> you think he might be one of us? <laughs> I was going to try, but then I got embarrassed. I mean, how, who does that, right? Stalk this man to find out. 
Maybe he has his faith community on his Facebook page, but I didn't do it. I still have some dignity. <laughs> but imagine, this is part of our faith call, isn't it? This is part of our religious tradition to turn away, even if we've suffered this in our own families, even if we've suffered this ourselves, to affirm the inherent worth and dignity of the one who suffers and those who suffer around that person. Recovery doesn't mean that our problems go away. Recovery means that we change and we become able to give back and live a life of joy, as we say, in the sunlight of the spirit. It means that when we do the internal work of healing, we can turn around, go beyond the doors of our healing communities and help heal the world. I do encourage any of you who would just like to talk, whether it's something you've dealt with yourself or in your family or in your history, Many of us were raised by addicts, weren't we? And we, we carry that sense of betrayal. How could someone choose booze over me? I just, I welcome you to have conversation with me, to come and look for resources. If you're carrying this alone, don't. Please don't carry it alone anymore. Please know that there is a world of loving kindness to love you until you can love yourself. Amen. Ashe and blessed be. Dear ones, blessed is the path you travel. Blessed is the body that carries you along that path and blessed is your heart that has heard the call. Blessed is your mind that discerns the way. Blessed is the gift that you will receive by going. And truly blessed is the gift that you will become on your journey. Go in peace.